Thank you all. Good morning, church. We're moving, we're moving on today from Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, I really enjoyed that series. I think our pastors did a great job walking us through those. It is so true that when we see and hear of God's faithfulness in other people's stories, that it, is, it encourages us in our own walks with Jesus. For example, as we prepare to pack these Christmas boxes for Samaritan's Purse, we're encouraged and inspired by the fact that Pastor Jesse himself as a child received those boxes. We know by seeing his pictures and hearing his testimony that when we pack those boxes and send them off, they're having a real and positive impact on people across the world. Today, in the few minutes I have with you, I want to tell you some of my stories. But make no mistake, these stories, they're a call to action. If you've ever served on the mission field, I know Rich and Terry have. Um, sorry, Mitch, Rich and Maggie have. Rich and Terry. <laughs> um, they have. And if you've ever supported a missionary through finances or prayer, what you're going to hear today are really your stories. As a church, LifeSpring sends people and supports missionaries in other countries. We get to hear from them through their newsletters and social media to see how they're doing, what they're doing, what they think their impact is. Today I want to share another side of those stories. Lately, I've realized that often when I get to share my testimony, I speak about missionaries. I speak about the impact that they had on me. And so I started to think about that and decided that I needed to explain why that is. Whenever I stand before you, I'm aware that although each point along the way, I had to take steps when given opportunities, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing before you if it weren't for missionaries and for the people who support them. As many of you know, my husband and I are from a little country called Belize. It's in Central America and the Caribbean. And in fact, we have a short-term missions trip going there in a couple of weeks. The names I'm going to call today are of people who obeyed the call to leave the comforts of home, the familiarity of family and friends, the ability to work and save and buy a home and then retire, the culture, foods, and music that they grew up with and love. They left all of those to take the gospel to that Central American and Caribbean country that's slightly smaller than the U.S. state of Massachusetts, a country of just around 400,000 people. Some of the people I'm going to talk about have gone on to be with the Lord, so I'm assuming that they know the impact already that they had on me and other people. The ones who are still alive, though, they probably don't know or don't remember their part in the stories that I'm going to share. These stories that helped to shape me and point me in the direction that I continue to walk in today. These are and were ordinary people, Americans included who heard the call to go and did. They took to heart the Great Commission, and for them, it meant they were to actually go to another nation to make disciples for Jesus. They believed that as they went, Jesus would go with them like he promised in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I knew a missionary family once, husband, wife, three children, who, when it was the wife's birthday, her husband gave her a gift that he could afford based on their budget and their support. She was very happy to receive a bottle of Starbucks cappuccino. That shocked me. This couple had left good jobs in the U.S. education system, and when they returned after their two years in Belize, they were quickly able to find good jobs because of their experience and education. That woman, Linda, taught me a few things, one of which was how to be grateful in all circumstances. Another thing she taught me was how to allow myself to dream. Once when I was coming to the U.S. for a medical procedure, she prayed over me, Shalom. And I continue to believe that God is answering that prayer. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I should start at the beginning. My very first encounter with a missionary was when I was about 11 years old. I don't know the story of how my Sunday school teacher and her husband ended up in Belize from Jamaica, but know that they never went back to live in their country of origin. He was the pastor of the church around the corner from where I lived. The very first time I accepted Jesus was in that little church, in Sunday school, invited and welcomed into the kingdom by a Jamaican woman, Mrs. Sutar, who is now with the Lord. As a teenager, my favorite Sunday school teacher was from Montana. She is a gentle and strong woman, a wonderfully talented artist. When the team goes to Belize in the next few weeks, I am sure they're going to see her paintings in different places. One lesson she taught me became foundational for me. It was a lesson on why we shouldn't fear. It formed an aspect of my personality that I am so grateful for and became a part of what makes me who I am as an individual. Like countless others, I walked away from Christianity after a couple of years of college and then stayed away for a long time. But while I was gone, God didn't leave me. He allowed me to cross paths with an unlikely missionary. Vince was an Italian magician who loved Jesus passionately, but couldn't quite commit to walking the straight and narrow. We became friends when we worked at the same resort on Ambergris Key in Belize. When he learned of my past life as a Christian, he gifted me a devotional. I packed it away, thinking I probably wouldn't ever read it, but would definitely keep it just to remember Vince by. A few years later, fed up with the consequences of the choices I'd made, I decided to go back to church. And I'm going to digress here just a little bit. When you haven't been to church in a while, in years, making the decision to cross the threshold and to walk through those doors is one of the hardest steps you'll ever make. On the day I did that, I was so warmly welcomed that I've been going to church since. So when newcomers come, if you call yourself a part of LifeSpring, you have the responsibility to welcome them. We don't know their story, 
We don't know what part of the journey they're on. We don't know what God's been doing in their lives. We don't know how difficult it was for them to walk through those doors. But we can be the one who welcomes them in the door so that they can taste and see indeed that the Lord is good. Anyway, that Sunday school at that church was taught by an American missionary who was probably close to 80 years old. Everyone affectionately called him Grandpa. After the warm welcome I received, I showed up every Sunday morning that I could, trying to decide whether or not to accept Jesus as my Lord again. Finally, I made up my mind that I was going to do it, but first I needed to talk to some people, let them know that this was what I was going to do, and that they should probably be prepared for my life to change drastically. And so then I show up at Sunday school the following Sunday after I've made this decision. And there's Grandpa teaching Sunday school, and he says, when you want to accept Jesus into your life, you don't need to ask anyone's permission. This is between you and Jesus. Just do it. So that was the day I came home to God, and I haven't looked back. It's been 22 years this month, and I haven't been able to find a picture of Grandpa, and I don't even know his real name. No one remembers it. But he was an older missionary to Belize who served where he could, and that was to teach Sunday school in a, to the adults in a seaside church in a small town. He spoke Kairos words over me, and those words changed my life's trajectory. But I'm sure that story didn't end up in his um, newsletter back home because he didn't even know that he had that effect on me. So at this point, having been away from Christianity for so long, I knew I had a lot to catch up on. What did I remember? Vince's gift from years before that I had traveled with across the country, I dusted it off, and it became the devotional that I did for the first year as a Christian. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, became the first devotional I went through as a recommitted Christian. Isn't that amazing? Donna, a Calvary Chapel missionary, set me up with teachings from her California church. It was a journey through the book of John that I devoured as I went about my busy days. She has gone on to be with the Lord. Norma, from somewhere in the south of the U.S., was a missionary in her 60s. A divorcee and single, she started a cell group with me and a couple other women who were also young Christians. Over the next few years, we went through many books together including Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God, A Few and Practicing Spiritual Disciplines, and The Sacred Romance by John Eldridge. We dug in deep, and I got a solid foundation. Rick, also from California, led a group of us through an exegesis of the book of Genesis that broke down the legalism I had been taught and opened my understanding of the Bible and God's character in a new way that all my prior years of religious teaching hadn't. Karen, from San Diego, was my Scrabble partner. She had a wealthy friend back home whose care packages included expensive makeup. Whenever those packages came, Karen would invite me over to take my pick. At the time, I was years into grieving the birth of a baby who had died at birth. And although I had once enjoyed wearing makeup, in my grief, it wasn't something I did anymore. With Karen's friendship, my makeup collection grew, and I started adding color back to my face. 
a missionary's generosity to share her care packages with me was a huge step in my healing journey. Makeup. Rachel, originally from Puerto Rico, but sent out of Chicago, was a part of our small group study for a season. One night, I broke down in tears at the study because my usually hidden grief came to the surface. The ladies gathered around me and prayed for me. Rachel contended, contended in prayer that night for my freedom. And I left that study that night set free, having turned a corner in the process of grieving my baby's death. I don't have the time to tell you today about the impact that the YWAM base in Belize has had on my life. One morning, a few years into my Christian journey, I cried out in desperation, Lord, please, you have got to help me because this is unbearable. Within hours, I received an email from a cousin I hadn't heard from in years. She told me about a healing retreat that was going to take place at the YWAM base. And since I had only just begged God for help. I took this as an answer and signed up for what was called Potter's. Just like it had been hard to go back to church, it was hard to enter that property and seek healing, acknowledging my need for healing. Omar, one of the DTS students who had stayed on as staff on the base, must have heard from the Holy Spirit because when he saw my stricken face and the fact that I was trembling with fear for you know going into this event, he gently led me to my cabin and made sure I was all set there. His welcome made me feel like I was indeed in a safe place. So that weekend, I opened up myself to the real journey of healing that I needed. The sessions were led by a team from Kerrville, Texas, and they continued to pour into Christians in Belize through this ministry. I went back to Potter seven times. A few of those times, I went as a leader. Lee and Robin from Katy, Texas, first went to Belize on a short-term mission trip and returned to set up a four-square church in the area where Jesse and I lived. They started by meeting in their home with seven people, themselves included. In Belize, the gospel is welcome in the schools, so Lee invested his time and energy into visiting the high schools to share Jesus and to invite the kids to their newly formed youth group. And the young people came. Two of those young people happened to be mine. And they needed me to drop them off and pick them up from youth group and then to and from church on Sundays. I finally decided to go see what this was about because I really thought it must be a cult. I mean, what would, why would two young people want to be going to church without a parent? I walked through those doors that day, never having heard of Foursquare. And here I am 12 years later, hashtag we are Foursquare. One day, sitting at their dining table, I bared my soul to Lee and Robin, telling them truths about my life that I had told no one before. They gave me some hard advice, and I took it, and it changed everything for me. That church, LifeNet, continues to thrive. And when our team goes to Belize in the next couple weeks, they'll see that for themselves. A few years ago, LifeSpring was one of the churches that helped to support two young men to go to Belize to serve. Tim and Eli worked with LifeNet, teaching a school of ministry that produced four pastors that I know of, including one in this room. Small world, right? We had never heard of LifeSpring. We knew nothing about Washington State. Tim, Eli, and Jesse became roommates. And through that friendship, we were encouraged to come to the U.S. Tim and Eli then connected Jesse with Pastor Dan, and now here we are. 
the final story I'm going to tell you, although I do have many others, is that of Tom and Alita, missionaries from Kansas. They continue to provide counseling for sexually abused children and teens. Alita teaches at women's conferences um, and has become a powerlifting champion in her age group, representing Belize in competitions around the world. Tom teaches counseling classes for adults. Their counseling and teaching became the next step for me in my healing process after Potter's. Alita is the one who taught me about doing a word of the, for the year, and that is something that I encourage people to do even now because it is something that really helps you in your Christian walk. In 2020, Alita reached across the miles and introduced me to someone at Uversion, recommending me as a potential devotional plan writer. And that introduction came to a fruitful result for me this year, as I now have plans on the app. The seed that Alita planted for me means that LifeSpring's reach has gone out into the world through that app. So in conclusion, in Isaiah 46, 9 to 11, God says, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. I am forever grateful for the men and women who came to Belize from a far country to make disciples for Jesus. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, their full impact is unknown. But I do know, what I do know is that when you see me, you see all these people. Not one of them was perfect or unflawed, and neither am I. But isn't, it that, isn't that part so beautiful that God uses imperfect, flawed people to carry out his mission around the world? So if you've ever served on the mission field, or if you're someone who supports missionaries abroad, you sometimes won't see a return on your investment this side of heaven. Of course, we want to read the newsletters. We want to see the numbers of the impact the missionaries think they're making, but that impact is immeasurable. I stand here as evidence to you today of that. There are some of you who God is calling to go or will call to go and be part of the work that he is already doing around the world. Yet you look around your life and you find all the excuses why you shouldn't go. You make all the excuses for why he should be calling someone else. Someone younger or older, someone with more talents or more travel experience, or someone with more Bible knowledge and less flaws. But if he's calling you to go to Central or South America, to Asia, to Europe, Africa, Australia, New Zealand, or across the street, that calling is between you and God, not between him and any other person. He will equip you and lead you, and like Jesus promised, he will go with you wherever he takes you. As you've been listening to me, if you've been reminded of a call that the Lord gave you before, or for the first time you're thinking this is something he may be calling you to, Foursquare Missions International has a path to being a missionary in a foreign country. Their link is on the screen. Talk to God about it. Talk to your pastors about it. And then reach out to FMI. Another practical application 
I have for you today is to advise you to stay ahead of your passport game. Make sure your passport stays up to date. If you don't have one, get one. If it needs to be renewed, renew it. This doesn't mean that you're going to go be a missionary. It's just the first step to show your willingness that if God calls you, that is one hurdle you would have already crossed. Also, there is a concrete opportunity someone in here might be interested in. We're actually looking for someone who is willing to serve on the ground for a time in Ghana. Some years ago, Jacob was the one who did that. But now that Jesse and I are just back from Ghana, we can see that one of the ways we can support the churches there is to have someone on the ground. So if you have any interest in being a missionary in Ghana, and you've heard me speak of all these different missionaries, they are not like, you know, they, you know what I mean. They're ordinary people, just like the people in here. So if you feel like that is something you would like to do, or if you know of someone who might want to go be in Ghana for a little while, please speak to Pastor Jesse. For those of you who support missionaries abroad, and I know we have quite a few people in here, I want to say this. Don't hold them captive to the expectations of how you think you would be if you were on the mission field, because you're not. Yes, you want them to be fiscally responsible, but don't let them be afraid to show their rest photos. Many of these places that missionaries go to are beautifully unspoiled and offer vacation options where the U.S. dollar goes far. People can't work constantly without rest. Missionaries should be able to use part of their support to go rest and enjoy the country they're ministering in. Often they won't post their pictures of rest for fear their supporters will think that they're paying for them to vacation. Don't be that kind of supporter. In fact, if you're supporting someone and you get a bonus at work or you come into some extra money, send them a little extra and tell them to use it to go somewhere fun. If you're not presently supporting a missionary but would like to take it into consideration, you can go to our website, lifespringfs.com, and see the missionaries we support, prayerfully make a decision, and give us the spirit lead. At LifeSpring, we believe in reaching out to our community and to the world. So everyone in this room can be a part of the local mission opportunities that we offer throughout the year. We've spoken this morning of trunk and treat, trunk or treat, and we still need a couple more trunks. And then it's time for Christmas boxes. We are constantly providing ways in which all of us can have an impact on people for Jesus. And you can check out our events page whenever to see how you can have an impact there. I want to wrap this up by praying for all of us right now, if that's okay. The only thing I'll ask you to do, you don't need to stand. If you want to, you can. I'll ask you to close your eyes and just be honest and vulnerable with the Lord. Father, Jesus' last words to us were so clear. Go into all the world and make disciples. May we be obedient to do so wherever we are. We repent of our complacency to sit in our comfortable places and to hold on to the words and teachings you've given us and not share them to make disciples as you ask us to. Lord, stir our hearts with the desire to make you known, to be impactful in the lives of others, to share our skills, education, and knowledge to help point others to you. 
Father, I pray specifically for that person you're calling to go to Ghana to serve as a missionary, that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that this is their mission and that they would step out boldly to do the work you're calling them to. Lord, you created us for good works, not just for comfort. May we not be afraid to step into these good works. May we be obedient to be the people you call from a far country to accomplish your will wherever you call us. Ultimately, Lord, we want to hear from you. Well done, O good and faithful servant. While we still have breath on this earth, may all our hearts be soft to hear from you. And may we be willing to take this gospel of peace wherever you want us to take it. Whether we go or we stay, whether we support missionaries who are doing the work in this country and abroad, whether we sign up for the many mission opportunities in our communities, whatever it is you ask us to do, Lord, may we do it for your honor and glory and for the making of Jesus' disciples, the mission you gave us. In Jesus' name, amen.